a, a small little experience about missions. But I know this, that, you know, it won't just affect that nation because I know this, that from that nation, they'll begin to send out, they probably already are, but they'll begin to send out people into nations all around them, all into Africa. So the potential there is awesome. It's kind of like, you know, when you, you drop a rock in a pool of water and the ripples go out. Well, this, this 30 days is going to be our rock. With Dr. Bickers and, and Brother Mike Croslow and others, it, that's going to be our rock. They're going to minister in a concentrated way, and they're going to hit that nation really hard, and there's going to be ripples that's going to go out into the other nation. So thank you for your giving. I appreciate it. Well, we're talking about connecting through fellowship this month, and today we're going to be uh, uh, completing uh, this series. We're talking about today the power of fellowship. And remember, we said that fellowship is, is so much more than just having a meal together. That's part of it. But it also has to do with uh, partnership, participation, uh, association, and all the things that have to do with the interaction of Christ's body with one another. And that as we interact with one another, something is happening, not only on a social level, yes, but even more deeply on a spiritual level. And that's what I want to talk about this morning when we talk about the power of fellowship. This is why it's so important, you know, for us to come together, not just because it's our duty or, you know, it's Sunday and we're living the South and this is what we do. No, I'm going to tell you, it goes much beyond that because when we come together, there is a spiritual dynamic that takes place. Because Jesus said, if two come together in my name, he said, what? I'm going to be right in the midst of them. Isn't that right? So when we come together and Jesus is in the midst and we begin to have that interaction, there's a catalyst that the Holy Spirit provides as we worship together, as we pray together, as we hear the Word together, and just as we admonish and encourage one another. Now let's look at some of the things that the power of this dynamic of fellowship can do and is doing for us. You know, the early church was a community. They had, there were four things that I look at that really marked the, the, the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. Four main things, and that was the apostles' teaching, or we would say what? The Bible. Isn't that right? The Word, the Word of God, the Bible. Fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Four things. Wow. In 2,000 years, we've kind of added a few things onto that, hadn't we? Man, now it's about having this program and that program and this program and that program and this specialty and that specialty. You know, I, I don't know, but I, I just have this feeling that maybe God is smarter than all the theologians. And maybe, maybe, even though they meant well, it, things have gotten so complicated and so cloudy that, you know, that, that, that things have gotten diluted down. You know what I'm talking about? Things can get diluted down to where what their strength is not really being released in a full measure, and so we're not getting the benefit of it. So I want to look at these four things because really it was community that the church was about. Look in the, the book of Acts if you have your Bibles today, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read a couple of different scriptures here from Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 42. Acts 
2 and 42. And it says, and they continued steadfastly. That means continually. There was a discipline about what they did. They continued regularly, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, or we'd say the teaching of God's Word, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then, you know what happens when they say then? Then is a result of what we just read. It's, it's indicating a consequence. Then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Wow. Now, it says, Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And it goes on to say, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Well, it sounds like that if we would take a lesson from our forebears, if you were, in the church, and learn about these particular things that they exercised as a part of the body of Christ, we see the benefit they had. Amen? It says that God added daily. I would love for God to be adding daily to the church here at Passion Church. You say, well, how will God do that? Because we don't meet daily. See, that's our thinking again. This is not the only time God wants to add to the church. God can add to the church this afternoon. God can add to the church this evening. God can add to the church tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday. Let's not wait for Sunday to happen. God's at work, and He's at work through us. And as we come into fellowship with one another, and we are strengthening one another in our relationships and in our fellowship. How do we do that? Number one, we learn from each other's experiences. Are you listening? Not only do we learn from the Word, now listen to me, that's, that's our foundation, that's our guide, that, the Bible is what, uh, you know, we measure all our experiences by. But you know, God also can teach us by experience. Amen? Otherwise, you know, how do we ever gain any wisdom? The only way you gain wisdom is what? Experience. Now notice I said experience, not age. Because see, you can, you can get older and not get any wiser. I'm not looking at anybody. but experience, see, we get experience. You get experience in prayer. You know how you learn how to pray? You pray. I know that's deep, isn't it? But you do. It's like riding a bicycle, you know? You you can't go on the Internet and download the How to Ride a Bicycle manual. You can't find one. You know why? Because you can't teach that. Except by what? Experience. And so we take the Word as our foundation, but then as we live that Word out in our lives, what we experience, the dynamics, the truth of that, so that what? We can share that with one another. And so, you know, I don't have to go through the same briar patch you went through. I don't have to run through the same pothole you drove your car through and got out of alignment. Are you listening? I'm thinking, naturally speaking. But see, spiritually, it's the same way. As we fellowship with one another. So this means that fellowship's got to be a lot more than how you doing, brother. Uh, good to see you, and that's it. The fellowship that the Scriptures are talking about, and I'm talking about this morning, that means that what? There's an interaction of our lives. We're committed to one another enough that what? We uh, begin to exchange what? Experiences. With one another, I gain wisdom from you. You gain wisdom from me. 
And all of a sudden, we begin to experience what the Bible says. One can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. And all of a sudden, all the experience, all of the dynamics of the gifts that the Spirit of God has given to each one of us that are distinctive and different, but are complementary. Wow. We're talking about the power of fellowship. We learn from one another, and we encounter one another's truth. Amen? Listen, every, most everything I, I, I have learned has been a combination of me seeking God in prayer, studying the Word, and what other people have put into my life, whether directly through individuals that are alive now, but are through people that I read. I read their books. I read their teachings. I listened to the, what they had to say. I may have never known them. They never knew me this side of heaven. But you know what? I experienced their wisdom. And now God wants us to experience the wisdom that we have here at Passion Church. There's power in it. How are we going to do what God's called us to do? Well, Pastor, we just thought, you know, God give you a super-duper-duper-duper-super-duper-duper-duper anointing, and you just get it done for us. Wrong. <laughs> no, God will give us a super-duper-duper-duper anointing. It's his body together. We will get the job done. Amen? So we learn from each other's experiences. We learn from each other's truth. And then we support one another's life. In, in Galatians 6, 2, Paul said, You which are spiritual. He said, Bear the infirmities of those who are weak. One of the things, the power of our fellowship, of our building a relationship in a local body, is that we know one another. We get to know one another. This, this past month, with all of our leaders, when we had our leaders meeting in January, I had, a, I had a, a calendar that I brought to that meeting. It was a blank calendar. And I asked each one of them to sign up a day and a time, and Cindy and I was going to meet with them. And we've been meeting with people. I mean, it's been great. I didn't meet with them to ask them, you know, hey, can you do more? I didn't meet with them to ask them, you know, uh, you know, uh, how's your ministry area going? I met with them to get to know them. I want to know. I want to know about their kids, about their job, about what's going on with them, what their dreams, what their hopes, all of those kind. See, this is what I'm talking about. And it, you know, what it takes a an effort. It takes an intentional action to do that. Because you know, I'm just like you. A lot of times I have good intentions, but you know how that goes. So he says, we're supporting one another. We support one another. And he said that this was a mark of spirituality. You know, in our churches sometimes we think, okay, how much faith have you got? How, much, how good can you pray? What kind of spiritual gifts do you have operating? And we think that that has to do with spirituality. But Paul said here, he said, Bear ye one another's burdens, ye which are spiritual, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love, somebody, some or several of you said it. It's the law of love, isn't it? Love is self-sacrificing. Love, you cannot love, you know, other people if you're never around other people. <laughs> isn't that right? We can't love from a distance. We... Love has to be released. Love has to be in proximity. Love has to be experienced, you know, in fellowship 
with other people. That's what He's called us to do. And He said, when you bear one another's burdens this way, we exhort one another, we encourage one another, we pray with one another, we, we, we share with one another out of our uh, abilities, whether it's financial or other abilities we might have, we share with others, we lift their burden. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We're talking about the power of fellowship. Now see, this is going to require something. In our culture here in America, we are such individualists. Now that has a good side to it, but it also can have a negative side to it. Because, you know, it's real easy. I, I, have, I, I have to fight it. I do this. I get in my little bubble. None of you ever do this, I know. I get in my little bubble with my stuff. And I, and I, get, I can get so self-absorbed with my stuff and, and what's going on with me and the challenges I'm facing or my family. And, and before you know it, I mean, that's, that's, that's my world. That's where I'm living. And that, you know, in, in our culture, we've, we've kind of, you know, we've kind of elevated that, haven't we? You know, well, I'm going to be an individual. I'm a rugged individualist, and I'm going to lift myself up by my own bootstraps. You ever tried doing that? Easier said than done. No, we need one another. We need one another. And this is what fellowship does for us. We want to grow. One of the powers of fellowship is not only strengthening each other, one another, but growing Christ's body. That means encouraging one another. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, here's the thing, church. This only works if we believe it and embrace it, what I'm about to read to you. You know, nothing about what I'm sharing, I'm sure, is going to be new to you. But here's the thing, church. I found this out. It's real easy to know something and think that knowing equals doing. On my, on my church calendar, that at, the, at the very first where there's a blank before there's even a date, on every one of my calendars, I went for this year just as a reminder to myself, and I put this and then highlighted it, you know, in yellow to remind myself that knowing something is not the same as doing something. It's what we do with what we know that has power. Because it's so easy, again, to think because I know something. So I say that because I know you've heard all this before. But you know what? We've got to embrace it, Passion Church, as a part of His body. If this is where God has put you, or is where God is leading you, then you know what? We need to be all in. Not all in for me. All in for Christ's body. All in for what He's called us to do. 1 Corinthians 12 read just a couple of verses here uh, down around let's find around verse 12 there he said for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body now listen we are all individuals we know that just like he said your body's made up of individual members isn't it hands feet heart lungs toes elbows, so forth. But he said it's also one body. One body. We are one body. Say that with me. We are one body. Now say this. We are Christ's body. We are Christ's body. Whether Jews or Greeks 
whether slaves or free, and all have been made into drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. But many. So we're talking about here growing Christ's body. One of the ways we do that is by encouraging one another in our walk with the Lord. Now, in one place in the Scriptures, it says, exhort one another. You ever remember hearing that or reading that? Exhort one another. I thought it was interesting that word translated exhort. It means to call near. So if I, if I exhort you, you know what I'm doing? I'm calling you to come near in fellowship with me, to come near in fellowship with Christ, to come near in fellowship with His Word, to come near in fellowship with Christ's love. I'm calling you to come near or to stay near. In other words, I'm encouraging you in your race, and you're encouraging me in my race. I'm encouraging you in your faith, and you're encouraging me in my faith. That's what it means to exhort. And that's what strengthens us. Because Jesus said this. He said, the, the, the branch has got to be what? It's got to be actively attached to the vine to draw strength, doesn't it? And that's one thing our encouragement does. He also says over there in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, let's look over there about this. This is why it's so important for us to be in fellowship with one another. Hebrews 3 and verse 13 there, he makes this statement. He said, uh, but exhort one another. In other words, draw near, encourage people to draw near, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Did you know that we all have blind spots? I'm talking about spiritually. You know. Now see, of course, you know, I, th you know, I think everybody, you know, ought to be like me. See things the way I see it. Believe the way I believe it. You know, then it, the world would be wonderful. <laughs> Not, you know, I'm kidding. Well, we all have blind spots, don't we? There's certain things maybe that I don't see, but that what? Maybe a brother or sister would have insight about. And they can what? Encourage and exhort me. But listen, if we don't have a relationship with one another, if we're not in fellowship with one another, how are, you, how are we going to speak into one another's lives? And he said that those blind spots could at times be a deceitfulness of sin that causes what? Our hearts, hearts to become hardened. Hardened to the Lord, hardened to one another. And by that, I don't mean, you know, we're going to go out and, you know, and rob from somebody or steal some, from somebody or do something like that. But we can just become desensitized. I, you know, people all around me, I don't see any needs. I'm doing great. What needs? It's a deceitfulness. But if we are in fellowship with one another, if we're exhorting one another, isn't that right? And you can exhort me in my blind spot. Why? Because we have a relationship with one another. Because we're in fellowship with one another. But you know, if, if we're a member of the Hopscotch Church, I just made that up. Does anybody know? Some, some of you younger folks don't know what Hopscotch is, so I better... Hopping around, you know, going here and going there. You know, I'm going, I'm going, I'm in, I'm part of the church. I'm a member of the buffet church. 
I'm going to go over here and eat a little this week, and then next week I'm going to go over here and eat what they've got, and then next week I'm going to go over here and eat what they've got. And, you know, and if what you are feeding is not what I like and I turn my nose at it, I'm going to go over here and eat somewhere else. Come on. And then we wonder why our churches are not strong. Why they're not strong. We're not in relationship enough. We don't let the power of that relationship and fellowship develop so that what? We can speak to one another. We can speak into one another's eyes. We can pray for one another. Thank you. Each part completes the whole. We know that that's, a, that's what the truth is about the power of fellowship. Then let me talk about some environs of fellowship. By environs, I'm talking about the surrounding. What surrounds it? I mean, where, where, how does fellowship, is this, I mean, is this some kind of thing that God just sends down when we pray and boom, we have fellowship? No, fellowship happens on purpose. Are you listening? Fellowship happens on purpose. So if we don't purpose to create some environment for fellowship, then you know what? Fellowship doesn't happen. The body is not strengthened. And so we continually are in a place where people are missing and we don't know it. People are going through things and we don't realize it. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't realize that, but I do. And, you know, that's part of what it's all about. It's, it's not always just about us coming and having a wonderful meeting on Sunday. I'm all for that. I love that. I think it's great. I think it's needed. But that's not all church is. Sometimes it's ugly. I don't mean the people. I'm talking about things we go through. I, if you've lived life a few days, you know, life is not all about, you know, a vacation. There's difficulties, there's challenges, there's tough times. Man, we've been through them. I know some, you know, you see a snapshot of us and you think, oh, man, they, Norris and Cindy, boy, they got it made. They've never had any problems. Right. I've got some property uh, in, down in South Florida in the swamp I want to sell you. Good price. No, church is not always about just us being dressed in our nicest and looking our best on Sunday morning. Sometimes, man, I'm telling you, there's challenges to your faith sometimes. I mean, life hits you hard. And I mean, man, you, you know, this thing up here is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I thought God said this, but my life is saying that. How do I get that to here? That's when we need somebody. That's when we need other people who've, who've had that experience, who've gone through things, who've, who've believed God in the nighttime. So we want to cre- how do we create an environment? First of all, notice there were, there were three places where they went in Acts 5. Turn over there real quickly. My time's just about up. I mean, you give me about another six or seven minutes here, and we're going to wrap it up. Thank you. That's all I needed. A little bit of encouragement goes a long way. (laughs) Acts 5. Verse 42. If you read it there, it says that they met in the temple and from house to house. They met in the temple and from house to house. Uh, Let me get down there. 
It says, and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So what, are, what were the environments? For them, it was the temple. Well, we don't have a temple, but what? We have a Sunday celebration. I'm talking about the environs or the environment that, that promotes fellowship. Are you listening? So our Sunday celebration, that's one way that here at Passion Church, that what we promote, what? Fellowship. Do you know when we prayed down here this morning, and you out there that were in agreement and praying with us also, that was fellowship? You were helping to what? Bear their infirmities. See, it doesn't have to be always off, always have to be about me. Well, I'll tell you what, I ain't going to that church no more. I ain't get blessed. You big baby. You didn't get your lollipop. <laughs> no, it's celebration. Then house to house. You know what that's going to be for us? It's going to be small groups. Amen. Small groups. You've you got to be in a group small. Even Jesus, the, the perfect son of God, he only endeavored to have fellowship with 12. You know, so for somebody like me, man, my, my group's going to be, you know, it certainly is not going to go over 12. But we need to get, what, small groups. One of the reasons we're going to be rolling out small groups this year. Why? Not because, oh, it's the latest fad. No, it's as old as the Bible. It's called fellowship. And we have to be in a small group environment. Why? So that we can know one another. It's the same reason Cindy and I, we met with our leaders one-on-one. I want to know what's going on with you. I want to look into your eyes. I want to see what you're saying. I want to listen to what you, what's going on in your life. You know, so often church, a lot of times it ends up being all about the pastor. Thank you for your, you were afraid to say amen, weren't you? Well, what, you know, what the pastor needs for us to do and what the pastor wants for us to do and what the pastor's trying to recruit us to do. And, you know, listen, it's not about the pastor. It's about Christ's body. It's about one another. It's about fellowship. It's about strengthening one another through relationships. And some of that happens on Sunday, but I want to tell you where the, 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 the meat of it's going to happen is in small group relationships. And then he says, breaking bread. What is that? Just life on life. That's where we get together one-on-one sometimes. As we build relationships, as we fellowship with one another, you know, friendships develop. And we just, we just call somebody up. Maybe you're in prayer and somebody that you're, in, you're in, in a small group or at church you're in fellowship with. And God just puts them on your heart. You just call them up and say, you know, won't you and your wife come over and we're going we're gonna to put something on the grill. You know? And, and, you know, and they come over and, you know, you're getting ready to grill and you just say, Bill, come on out here and help me grill. And, you know, and you just, throw, you're throwing something on the grill there. It doesn't have to be anything expensive. And, you know, while you're grilling and you get Bill to help you, you, you can just start sharing with him. You can just start listening. And before you leave, you, you might, you know, be able to pray with that person or pray with that couple or whatever it might be. See, that's, that's what we're talking about, breaking bread, life on life learning. So let me share real quickly with you. I still got three minutes. Some things that fellowship can cure. Fellowship cures. Things that fellowship cures. Number one, isolation. Caused by focusing upon my failures, shortcomings, hurts, or pains. You know, there's a lot of people 
not being critical at all, that are at home right now, that are Christians, they belong to God, they love God, but you know what? They're isolated. They've been hurt, either at church or by somebody, They've, their own failures maybe or something like that. That's why he says, you which are spiritual, reach out to those people. Maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe somebody has just, just made a mess of their life. Maybe they've blown it. Maybe they've really missed it and sinned big time. You know, church, we got big, we got them all categorized. But you know what? That's where you reach out to them. Get them out of their isolation. That's what fellowship will do. Fellowship cures insulation. My life is good. I'm blessed. I'm just desensitized to everybody else because I'm looking, you know, the world around me through everything good in my life. Oh, hallelujah. I'm doing good. I got mine. You get yours. I believe God. You believe God. Come on. We're talking about fellowship cures. Isolation and from insulation. Don't be insulated. Be connected with one another. Then the other one, it, fellowship cures us from preoccupation. I'm focused just on my needs, God's plan for my life, and all my energies are devoted to, you know, to meeting my needs. And that, man, I got tunnel vision. I'm preoccupied. You know, and this is real easy to happen. I found out when stuff is going on in my life, it's real easy to get preoccupied with the stuff in my life. And we think sometimes because, you know, my life is not perfect that God can't use me to minister and help someone else. That's the biggest lie that was ever told. Because if you're going to wait till your life is perfect and you got all your ducks in a row before you, God's going to use you to minister to anybody else, we might as well just pack it all in right now because none of us are qualified. And then finally, the last one, fellowship cures us from offenses, walls of separation that have been created because of hurtful words and actions of others to us or us to others. So fellowship cures us from isolation, insulation, preoccupation, and offenses of others. Divided, Jesus said this, every house divided against itself will fall. Every house would include his house. It would include Passion Church, doesn't it? We don't want to be divided. We want to be united. And one of the ways, and really the only way that happens, is through the power of fellowship. Let me give you some action points. First, am I experiencing meaningful fellowship with my Passion family? Now, if you're visiting today and you have a home church, you ask that about your home church. Am I experiencing meaningful fellowship? Secondly, have I allowed failures, hurts, or self-absorption to kill my fellowship with the family of God? And then thirdly, what could I begin to do this week to change my fellowship back to a healthy level with my church family? Remember, I said it takes purposeful action purposeful action. If we keep doing the same thing, we keep getting the... If we want different results, something's got to change. That's just, that's just, that's reality, isn't it? That's a fact. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. Father, this morning we've talked about the power of fellowship. Lord, 
though I've shared about it, we've looked at some scriptures. Lord, I know that only the Holy Spirit can make that real in our life. And I am asking for myself and for all those in this room that the Holy Spirit will take this truth and make it real in our lives. God, I pray that we will not just leave this place and go about our lives insulated, isolated, preoccupied, or hurt. But Lord, we will take action. With the help of your Spirit, we will take action to repair relationships, to create environs for fellowship, meaningful fellowship. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name. While your heads are still bowed, just perchance there's someone here, if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says Jesus came, He lived a sinless life, He fulfilled the will of the Father by going to a place called Calvary. And at that place called Calvary, on that cross, He suffered for the sins of mankind, my sins and your sins. He paid the price. And the Bible says that whoever will believe that and call on the name of the Lord Jesus, they will be forgiven. They will be saved, the Bible says. If you've never believed, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I just want to pray with you real quickly before we're dismissed. While heads are bowed, if you'd like to be included in this prayer, uh, Pastor Norris, I, I, I want to receive Jesus. Or maybe you're out of fellowship. You know your, your life is not where it should be. The Bible says if we will confess our sins, not to any man but to Him, He is just and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you, for either one of those, you're saying, Pastor Norris, pray for me. I'm asking Jesus to come into my life and forgive my sins, or I'm, I'm coming back to Jesus. I want you to pray for me. Would you just put your hand up and back down, and I'll know to pray. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Real quickly. Father, you see the hands that were raised, and more importantly, you see their hearts. And Lord, you said that those that come to you, you will in no wise turn away. I thank you, Lord, that as they come to you, as they call on you right now, right there in their heart, as they call on you to be their Savior, to forgive them of their sins, I thank you, Lord, that you forgive them, you cleanse them, you make them your children, you bring them back into right fellowship with you. Father, I thank you right now that peace that passes all understanding comes into their hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you that raised your hand this morning, uh, right after Pastor Walt's going to come and make an announcement real quickly and dismiss you in prayer, 